0: Today's message is the audio portion of a live video that I did on Facebook, where I discussed the controversy known as Pizzagate. You will notice at various times during the discussion where I take questions from friends on Facebook. Hey everyone, it is time for another live video, and I wish this was going to be about something fun like traveling in the spirit or healing, but... Tonight, I'm going to be talking about the scandal known as Pizzagate. I want to share some thoughts, some insights on this very controversial subject. I'd like to answer questions that people have about Pizzagate. If you are a skeptic about the validity of Pizzagate, uh, I would ask you to tune in and listen to my thoughts. I'm not trying to convince anyone that this is real. I do feel like I have a an assignment from God to get my friends to pray, in general, to expose child trafficking and other crimes that are being committed, related to Pizzagate or not. So as some of you know, uh, over the last month, I think I, I had my first discussion question on Facebook this about three weeks ago and I was asking if people had been having dreams or visions or prophetic revelation about child sex trafficking or kidnapping and I I had begun to have some dreams at that point and a lot of my friends ended up saying yeah we've been having dreams about this having dreams about kidnapping having dreams about uh, child sex trafficking I, I I always ask these discussion questions because I want to make sure this isn't just me being weird or having some you know crazy ideas. Now a lot of you who, who know me, I've had a lot of dreams about Donald Trump leading up to the election. Um, I've been praying for you guys to have dreams about Donald Trump, and we we all know hundreds of people, probably thousands, who have had dreams about Trump prior to the election. I got a private message from a friend who had a Trump dream after the election. And it was typical of a lot of the dreams that people have. Um, He was portrayed in a way very different from how he seems in the natural. So up until the election, I was having a lot of Trump dreams. And then right after the election, I started having these dreams about pedophiles and sex trafficking. None of this was on my radar at all. I had no awareness. Uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I I don't have the headspace and the time to go chasing down rabbit trails. It's a shame that we have our focus on Pizzagate. It takes away from the greater picture that is this epidemic among rich and powerful worldwide. Mark, okay, so, yes, my discussion about this thing tonight is not really about Pizzagate. It's not about, sorry about that, I just got an Amber Alert on my phone. Mark, th- this discussion is not primarily about the pizza restaurants and, and all that. Everyone else has covered that stuff ad nauseum. I don't really want to talk about that very much. There is a much bigger thing going on. It's there's a, There are global things going on, and that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. So, yeah, I, I appreciate your your concern. I, I don't like the way that Pizzagate has been covered so far. I, I'm from either side, from the skeptics and from the believers. I think... A lot of the coverage has been unprofessional, but you have unprofessional people doing the reporting. I mean, the the mainstream media isn't getting involved in this. So you have all these amateur investigators out on 4chan and Reddit doing this stuff, and they -hmm. they don't know anything about reporting. So they're they're trying to do a good job doing YouTube videos. I, I haven't been terribly impressed with what I've seen so far. So what I'm going to try to do tonight is present... Some of the information surrounding Pizzagate itself and then some make some connections to some other things and I'd like to answer some questions. Since the election, I have been studying this whole thing day and night. I get up in the morning, I go to bed at night, and I'm investigating and studying and reading and watching videos nonstop. It's all I've been doing for a month. I have tons and tons of information. I have changed my mind and changed my view on a few things. I've had to take some things off of Twitter that I posted because I, was, I had made some assumptions that were incorrect, like a lot of people. So I'm going to try as much as I can, not to give you fake news, but to give you some, some understanding of what's going on here. Now, let me catch up with questions. Amber Alert was prophetic. Yeah, it probably was. One big question people have is, if this scandal involving child porn and pedophilia in these pizza restaurants in D.C. and people in the government are real, why have there been no police investigations and why have there been no arrests? Straightforward question. If this stuff is legit, then why aren't the police doing anything about it? And if the police aren't doing anything about it, then why do... These conspiracy theorists think it's real, Alright, So that's a question that people have. So I'd like to answer that question, if I could, right away. After the arrest of Anthony Weiner, he was arrested over a month ago, This least before the election, in connection to basically sending sex messages to an underage girl. I think she was 15 years old. Um, he had been a, a under... Uh, He'd basically been under surveillance by the cops for a long time. And he had been picked up for this previously. And they went and they they, they arrested him. And in the arrest, they confiscated his laptop computer. Now, Anthony Weiner uh, is married to Huma Abedin. And Huma Abedin is Hillary Clinton's basically best friend, confidant, personal secretary assistant. So, Huma Abedin and Wiener have been having relationship problems. They're kind of separated, I think. But they shared an apartment and they shared computers. Everything that I'm telling you tonight, everything that I'm going to tell you, you can find yourself if you use uh, whatever search engine you want, whether it's Bing or Google or whatever you use, use your search engines. You can find all of this information. I'm not, I'm not making any of this up. And most of it has been reported on reputable websites, okay? Now, what you consider reputable, that's up to you. So, Anthony Weiner and Huma Abedin are married. Huma Abedin was taking her emails that she got from Hillary Clinton and from all the people that she worked with, and she was opening them up on her Yahoo Mail because it was easier to print them out that way. So, she was opening emails, some of which were classified, and printing them out at home. And evidently, her emails got synced over to Anthony Weiner's laptop. And when Anthony Weiner got arrested, the New York Police Department ended up with his laptop, his hard drive. They started looking at all the files, and they realized, wow, we have some incriminating evidence here. Lots and lots of incriminating evidence. So... According to many sources, now you can look this up on Breitbart, Charisma News had an article on it. Many different news sources said New York Police Department was ready to make arrests and they're ready to call a press conference. And we were all waiting for it to happen. This was before the election. This was probably end last week of October. They made this announcement that they were going to they were going to make arrests. They were going to indict people, and they were going to um, call a press conference and give all the information that they had. That never happened, okay? It didn't happen because there is a very sensitive situation uh, involving the people that are going to be implicated by the information on his laptop. So New York PD had the laptop, kept a copy of it, sent it to FBI. FBI has a copy of it. James Comey, head of the FBI, they go through, they're digging, they're digging through. One of the big questions is, are they, is there evidence there that is going to help indict Hillary Clinton concerning her email scandal? And that's, a, that's another issue. But as we all know, Comey ended up not indicting. Now, the case had been open, it had been closed, gets the emails, opens the case for about eight or nine days. And then right before the election, boom, closes the case again so they're not going to indict. But NYPD has already said they have all the evidence they need to make arrests and indict people. And so there are some things going on. NYPD says we are going to arrest people. Now that answers your first question. The question is, if this is real, then why aren't there any investigations and arrests? Well, NYPD has already said we are ready to make arrests, and we have all the investigations that we need. We're ready to go. But the Department of Justice put some pressure on NYPD to shut it down. Essentially, what happened was there, there are a lot of people in the Department of Justice and in the FBI and in the State Department who are not going to be very happy when they see what's on this laptop. A lot of people are going to be implicated in all of these departments. Department of Justice doesn't want it to come out right right now. So they put pressure on NYPD to shut it down. So, as far as the Department of Justice, the FBI and the New York Police Department is concerned, this thing is on hold right now. They there are plans to prosecute and make arrests in the future, but right now it's on hold. If these charges are true and there is child sex trafficking and there is all this stuff going on, yes, people are being harmed, and it should be prosecuted, and the people should be arrested, and they should go to court. Okay, I get that, but you have to understand what is... there. There is a much bigger picture behind this that the Department of Justice and the FBI are worried about, and I'm going to explain that here in a minute. Around November 2nd and November 4th, General Flynn started tweeting out about WikiLeaks, about spirit cooking, about sex crimes, money laundering. And he said, and he was telling people, you need to investigate and look into this stuff and get educated about this. Now, General Flynn happens to be Donald Trump's pick for national security advisor. Flynn knows everything about this. He, if anybody knows what's going on, Flynn knows what's going on. Okay. Okay. And he is telling citizens to educate themselves. Now, you can go to his Twitter feed, November 2nd and November 4th. Look at his tweets. He's tweeting about this. He's telling people this stuff is real and you need to start investigating it. Now, uh, people could, might say, okay, Flynn is allied with Trump and this is just politicking and he was trying to get help Trump get elected and it's just a bunch of uh, political nonsense. That's That's possible. It was four or five days before the election, and maybe Flynn was trying to steer some people toward voting for Trump. That's, that's possible. The only problem is, the only people that are really listening to Flynn are people who have pretty much already made up their mind. I think by that time in the election, most people have made up their mind. So you have to ask yourself, why would a general and a guy who's going to be the national security advisor be advising people to look into and investigate these crimes? The weapons, the money laundering, the sex crimes. Why? Was he politicking or was it a cry for help? I think it was a cry for help, and I'm going to explain that in a minute. Another question. Since Pizzagate has become a big scandal, New York Times, Snopes, a lot of mainstream media have published articles debunking Pizzagate. And they said, look, this is urban legend. It's a bunch of alt-right conspiracy theorists who are just trying to go after Hillary. There's nothing to this. It's all a bunch of nonsense. And they've pretty much said, this is a non-issue. So stop talking about it and make it go away. Well, let me let me give you a, a couple of things to think about on that. At the, after the election, President Obama, uh, speaking to an audience in Germany uh, with Angela Merkel, was talking about how the election was kind of ruined by fake news. <laughs> And people believing fake news and what he he calls fake news. So fake news is out there, and what any of us consider fake news is a subjective thing. It's up to the individual. And then fake news kind of became a a thing. Google started talking about it. Facebook started talking about it. There's been a crackdown on fake news. The very first story that got branded fake news after this whole thing started was Pizzagate. The very first one, which is interesting to me because this thing, if it's true, involves people in the highest levels of government and they knew the investigation was going on. The investigation on 4chan and Reddit into the sex crimes and all that stuff has been going on since at least June, possibly earlier. When I, when I go back to the threads or Reddit and 4chan, I see it's, 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 Around June is when I see things picking up. So the people who are being accused knew this was coming. And you have to wonder, did this war on fake news come about because they need some protection? They need a way to deflect some of the criticism that's coming their way. I'm not going to speculate on that. I'm just going to say the timing of it is very interesting. Okay, so Snopes, New York Times have all said debunked. So why don't we believe them? Well, here's my problem. New York Times president and CEO right now is Mark Thompson. Mark Thompson was appointed to that position in 2012. Prior to that, he was at the BBC. When he was at the BBC, the scandal broke about Jimmy Savile... Who was a very popular entertainer. He was knighted. He was a very popular person in British culture. But then they found out he was a pedophile. And he had raped hundreds of children during his lifetime. Now, people inside BBC had been talking about that for years. People who are, were there said, Thompson knew about this. He was, he was there. He was the one who had the authority... To tell people either investigate this or not and it never got investigated to this day thompson says he knew nothing about jimmy Seville and his pedophile activity but other people who worked at the bbc said no he did know about it and he covered it up so the the ceo and president of the new york times is alleged to have a history of covering up pedophile crimes now, I'm not accusing him of being a pedophile. I am asking, was why are there so many people at BBC saying this should have been investigated, it should have been uncovered long before it was, and nothing was done about it, until it was too late? And now the same guy is at the New York Times, and he it was the very first paper that came out and said, nothing to pizzagate, nothing to see here, keep going, it's just urban legend, nothing going on without any investigation that's my problem if the new york times sent down some investigative reporters looked into the allegations looked at the emails investigated the people talked to them did some did some actual investigation and then said nothing to see here it's just it's just nonsense then i would be okay with that but they didn't do that they didn't send any investigative reporters they haven't looked through the emails they haven't really looked at the evidence, they have just decided it doesn't exist. And that's their line. And they're not going to change their, their tune. Um, a lot of the mainstream media have fallen in line with New York Times. They have also come out and said, look, there's nothing to this. Now, you are welcome to believe that if you want to. And I, like I said, I'm not here to convince you otherwise. If you want to believe that it's there's nothing to it, that's fine. I don't, I don't have any problem with that. I have done my own investigating and I, like I said, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and never had any of this stuff in my radar. I don't watch Alex Jones, <laughs> Infowars. Like I said, I don't, I don't have headspace for all that stuff. Actually, I'll tell you this: I have some friends who are conspiracy theorists, and they have been telling me about this stuff for years, and I have blown them off. And, you know, whatever, you're just over paranoid people. You need to drink less coffee, and you know, pray a little bit more, and whatever. I have I have never had time for this. But recently I have I've had to change my thinking. Because I started looking at all this stuff. I started reading looking what's going on and I'm very concerned by what I've found. So I'm just gonna keep keep going. The second issue that I have with the mainstream coverage of this story is WikiLeaks documents released this year have revealed a degree of collusion between Hillary and the Democratic Party and the mainstream media that is really uncomfortable. It's unprofessional. You look through the WikiLeaks emails, you can see the, the press, all the reporters and the heads of the networks are meeting with Hillary and her staff. Uh, they go to lunch together, they go out dinner together, they vacation together. When somebody wants to write a story, they send it over to Hillary's staff. They get editorial approval before it gets published. There's all this collusion between Hillary and the mainstream media. And for that reason, I think the media is tainted, and I don't think they can report on this objectively. I don't believe that the mainstream media can do fair treatment to any scandal that involves Hillary Clinton. I would love to be able to believe them. I used to. you know, Back in the 70s, when I was young, there was more believability in the mainstream media today, not so much. They, the mainstream media has has corrupted themselves and tainted themselves. So I have a hard time buying what the mainstream media is saying about this. And and here's, here's my caveat. In my investigation of this stuff, I have found New York Times articles that have been very helpful to me for piecing together some of the things that are going on. And they're from two or three years ago. So... I'm not going to totally dismiss the mainstream media. They do have some honest reporters. They do have some reporters with integrity. Some of the stories that they break are legitimate. They're well covered. They're factual. They do their homework. I'm not saying uh, the mainstream media is completely useless, but on something this sensitive, knowing that it involves Hillary, it's going to be difficult for a lot of people to accept that because they've already proven that they've got kind of a an agenda with the Democratic Party. So those are those are two big reasons why I'm having a difficult time buying the mainstream media narrative of this. Let me give you just a quick background about the things that if you think this is absolute nonsense, I'm going to show you I want to show you one thing that I think must be investigated without any question. It has to be investigated. So uh, you may or may not be familiar with the case of uh, Madeline McCann, uh, Matt, who was uh, abducted in 2007. She was four years old. Her disappearance is one of the most highly investigated uh, disappearances of the last 20 years. She disappeared May third, two 2007. Lots of leads, lots of people in, in, uh, interrogated. Her parents were suspects for a while. They eventually ruled out her parents as suspects. They ruled out a lot of people who had um, good alibis, and and they just figured it wasn't these people. It's somebody else. So as the investigation uh, broadened, more witnesses were questioned, and several people gave testimonies that are interesting. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take my um, phone down for a second. I'm going to show you the... Wikipedia page of the investigation and I'm going to show you the forensic drawing that came up of two people who are suspects. Um, A couple from Ireland was there, they reported seeing a man carrying a young girl about three or four years old, so the age of Madeline, same color hair, the description that they gave of her as she was being carried by this man fit closely they were 500 yards from her, where she was seen. It was the right time of day. Everything kind of matched up, so it looks like it's a good little lead that should be investigated. Now, I'm going to show you the forensic drawing of the people who um, were involved in this, if I can do this. These are the suspects right here, okay? This is on the Wikipedia page. Now, these men here... Are John and Tony Podesta? If you look at the forensic drawing, and you look at John and Tony Podesta, the similarity is a little bit too good to be coincidental. Now, here's here's another thing that is concerning. If you look through the WikiLeaks emails, uh, from a WikiLeaks email in 2014, John Podesta has visited Portugal. He wrote an email saying he was visiting Portugal. Now, this was. Seven years after the disappearance, but we know he's been there. The interesting thing about the WikiLeaks emails from Podesta... Now, I have not looked at all the WikiLeaks emails, but they received uh, thousands of emails that came to and from John Podesta. I'm not exactly sure how they got them, and no one will ever know, because WikiLeaks has a policy of never divulging the sources that they get their information from. So we don't know if WikiLeaks got their emails from the Russians from the NSA, from the CIA, or from anybody else. You will never know where they came from. But no one has ever, no one involved in any of this has ever denied the legitimacy of the emails. Here is the interesting thing: Madeline was taken on May 3rd, 2007. Take a wild guess when the first email from John Podesta showed up on WikiLeaks. May 4th, 2007, is the first day, the first email that WikiLeaks has on John Podesta, the day after Madeline disappeared. Why May 4th? Why the day after Madeline disappeared? Why not a week before? Why not a year before? Why not a year after? The day after Madeline disappears, the first email available for John Podesta shows up. So people have been asking, what happened to the emails prior to that? Were they erased? Were they deleted? No one knows. Is this a conspiracy? Is it just a coincidence? These two guys look exactly like the people in the drawings. And the very first email we have from Podesta is the day after her dis- she disappears. If you ask me, that needs to be investigated. I'm not saying they're guilty. That needs to be investigated. That is a a good match on a forensic drawing. And that is a timeline. Well, I mean, look, if they call him in and he has an alibi and he he can prove that he was in California on the day that she was taken, guess what? He's He's in the clear and they have to keep looking for somebody else. But to me, it at least needs to be investigated. I don't think that sounds unreasonable. I don't think that sounds like a wish hunt. And I don't think that sounds like a conspiracy theory. Now, who is John Podesta? John Podesta uh, has been Hillary Clinton's campaign manager this year. Uh, He served as Barack Obama's advisor, and he was chief of staff for Bill Clinton when he was president. Washington insider, he's been in in, in the know in Washington for a long time. His brother Tony, I'm not even sure what Tony does. I haven't investigated Tony all that much. Like I said, my investigation started out around this circle of people. And then it very quickly went to other things. So if you start looking through the emails, you begin noticing all these words and phrases that come up that seem to be out of context. A lot of references to food, uh, a lot of references to pizza, a lot of references to hot dogs, a lot of references to other types of food. And in the normal context of a conversation in an email, when these phrases come up, they don't make sense. And so you have to decide when you're reading these emails. Are these just some eccentric people who you know have a super fascination with pizza? or is there something going on? People who are familiar with this case uh, have said, "Look, you know it's possible that there's a coded language going on in here and that the words that are being used in all these conversations out of context are not actually referring to the actual, Cheese, the hot dogs, the pizza, they're referring to something else. I'm not going to beat this thing to death because if you're interested in this, there's a million YouTube videos out there now you can go watch that'll explain all the coded language and all that stuff. I'm not going to go into that tonight. That is part of the investigation. Uh, You can make of it what you want. To some people, it's just innocent conversation. To other people, these guys are up to something sketchy. The circle starts to widen when you look at the emails that came from John Podesta, to and from. There are emails to a woman named uh, Marina Abramovic, who has a reference to spirit cooking. Now, that came out uh, a couple weeks before the election. And you look into spirit cooking, go on Google, research it, you'll find out what it's all about. Uh, That has caused people to think, wow, these people are really weird. Uh, Spirit cooking is bad juju. So there is there's not one thing in these emails that is really, really damaging. There's just a lot of little things that make you go, hmm, what is that all about? What are these people doing? What's, you know, it, it, there's enough sketchy, weird, strange things going on that have given people some reason to want to know what's going on a little bit more. And as General Flynn said... You guys need to be investigating, because it's very big. So, I'm going to transition now into a discussion that I ran across a while ago, and it's from it's from 4chan, which is a bulletin board service. If if you're used if you're not used to the bulletin board services and all that stuff, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But there's these bulletin board services that people can go on. They can talk about stuff. Basically, you're anonymous. Um, You log in with an anonymous profile, they don't require an email, they don't require any verification. Okay. So, a lot of very interesting things get discussed on these bulletin board services, and this particular investigation was being investigated, was being talked about on 4chan. In July, a guy shows up on 4chan who presents himself as an FBI agent who needs help. The FBI monitors Reddit. They monitor 4chan. They monitor all these internet boards where all these conversations are going on. Because they're, partly because they're curious. They want to know what's going on. But this particular agent wanted to help the investigators. So I'm going to give you some of the question and answer. He got on there and said, I'm a person who is very familiar with, Hillary Clinton, and the thing you guys are investigating, I can give you answers, I can answer questions, and I can give you tips. There are three different threads that I'm aware of, where he popped on the threads at different times, from July through probably October, I think, and he answered questions and gave people information about things to investigate. Now, when he first got on there, some of the people who were involved thought, He's a phony. He's not an FBI agent, he or she. We don't know if he's a female. But some people thought that he was legit. And I have looked at these conversations over and over and over again. And I started, in my investigation, I started with Comet Ping Pong Pizza. I started looking at Best of Pizza. Yeah, okay, I see the pedophile logos on the signage. You go their social media profiles You see these pictures of children with inappropriate uh, comments. It's one of the things that has bugged a lot of people is, you know, with with, uh, James Alephantis, Jimmy Comet, on Instagram, you go to his Instagram account and all these people have these, you know, pictures of kids and there's all these really inappropriate comments. And now, again, you have to say, are these just, you know, weird people who, who are just inappropriate or are these comments actually getting at a lifestyle of pedophilia? You don't really know. You have to make a, a judgment call or not. Uh, personally, me, I'm not, I, I don't think it's a good thing to make, make the judgment. If there's something going on with these people, they need to be investigated. They need to be questioned. If the police find that there's adequate evidence, you know, arrests, and then they go, and they go before a jury and, and a judge, and that's how that should, this needs to be taken care of. You don't try these people in, in, the, in the social media. It, it's an emotional thing and it's hard i have had to back off and at times rein in my emotions because it's it's a very emotional thing for me but as i've been going into this now for about a month i'm much less emotionally involved in it and my objectivity is finally taking over and i'm i'm able i think i'm able to look at things a lot more objectively and go you know that's not a good association those that person may not be involved. You know, you're, you're really trying to make some connections here that probably can't be made. So anyway, I was, I'm interested in this FBI agent because I would look and search and investigate and I thought, this isn't going anywhere. This is just, this is a dead end. This is a dead end. And a lot of people came to the same conclusion that they're investigating and checking things and they keep on coming up with dead ends. So then they had to go back to what the FBI agent was telling them. They started looking into what the FBI agent said, and then everything started to click. You see it's much larger than people realized. People wanted to focus this in on a couple of pizza joints and a couple of po- politicians who have a pedophile ring. It's, it, that's, that should not be the focus of this thing. It's, so... I'm just going to read you some of the questions um, the questions and answers that, that, between the guys on 4chan and the FBI agent. All right, I'll give you an introduction. So the FBI agent comes out in July, and he says, look, I'm going to give you some answers. I may give you some BS. I have to have plausible deniability, so some stuff I'm going to tell you may not be true. You have to figure out what's true and what's not true. Um, This is because if he was discovered as being on this board, he could get fired or killed. So he had to protect himself. So he said, I need plausible deniability to be here. So if one of my bosses asks me if I was on this board, I can say yes, and I was giving them disinformation. That gives him plausible deniability. In a previous thread, an agent had been telling them That he is in a very difficult situation. The FBI and the Department of Justice are in a very difficult situation. There are so many people that are implicated and involved in this corruption that involves child trafficking, money laundering, uh, bribery, extortion, probably murder, illegal arms sales. It is rampant in government. And he says... In the last thread, I said, if this all came out, it would be total chaos. The government, government would be exposed on every layer. Who pays who? Who buys what? And no one has yet asked about human trafficking bits that I've already given you. So one guy says, okay, what about the human trafficking? I assume that those who can't be indicted are involved. Answer, pedophiles and sex traffickers are everywhere. Many politicians trade girls like cattle. Okay. So, the pedophilia and the sex trade thing is rampant in politics. How rampant? People do not realize how enormous this whole situation actually is. So, someone says, can you elaborate on that? And he says, the real point of interest is the Clinton Foundation. It's not the email server. We received the server from Benghazi, then from the server we found data on the Clinton Foundation. Then we realized the situation was a lot worse than we previously thought. So one guy says, the entire government brought down. I very much doubt that. Then the agent says, Hillary had SAP, special access uh, level programs on her server, which if they were made public would literally cause an uprising and possibly foreign declaration of war. So the question is, do you think the Department of Justice will protect her? Answer, the DOJ is most likely looking to save itself. Find everyone involved. Now, this is what he's he's giving an instruction. Find everyone involved in the Clinton Foundation, from its donors to its board of directors, and uh, assume they're all implicated. So the question, now this is in July. This is before Comey had made a decision about whether he was going to uh, recommend prosecution for Hillary. Will Comey resign if there's enough evidence to indict Hillary? but is forced not to indict her. Was Lynch saying that, Loretta Lynch, was she saying she'll accept any recommendation from the FBI, but really not knowing they're going to indict? Answer, there already is enough evidence to indict. Comey has been trying to stall. He doesn't want to face the Clinton machine, as well as the rest of Washington, D.C., but this case would explode into a million other cases if brought fully out into the light. And then we would have the one small agency competing against the entire government and other hordes of interests. It's a very tense and uncomfortable position. Question, give us a a specific example of large-scale corruption or collusion. Answer, Saudi Arabia visits and donations to the Clinton Foundation, Russian uranium fiasco, Hillary and the Israel lobby, the Council on Foreign Relations, AIPAC, the list is endless. I started investigating all these things, and, and there's another thread where he lists 33 different Foundations, people, a lot of them are billionaires, a lot of them are uh, non-profit foundations, many companies that have offshore accounts that were exposed in the Panama Papers, whole other thing, I'm not even going to get into that. But I started to investigate the uranium things, the gold mining companies and people, and the weapons sales, and it goes everywhere. And it is all sketchy. Okay, so the agent says, I'll do you to you this way. We have three choices. We turn over all the information we have to the Department of Justice. We make a recommendation for everyone to be prosecuted. The whole truth comes out. The entire world realizes how much the U.S. is meddling in the foreign affairs, and we go to war, probably against several different countries once they realize how much we've been meddling in their affairs. The civilian population then realizes how much we've been meddling and how much foreign influence our government has, and a civil war breaks out. He goes, that's option A. They put everything out. They go to war against probably China and Russia. We get involved in wars. Our, uh, the people of our country are so incensed and enraged, they have a revolt and we have a revolutionary war at the same time because people are so angry when they find out how corrupt the government is, okay? This is what the Department of Justice and the FBI are sitting on. The reason they're not prosecuting is if they do, there are so many people implicated, the entire thing blows up. All right, that's option A. This is option B. You cherry-pick the data to implicate the people who are already in the public eye so the chips fall on their heads of a select few people and the whole system doesn't crash. Option C, you do nothing and you wait and watch the unstable political climate to gauge how you respond. Agent says we're working on option B. Okay, so what the agent is saying is that the FBI and the Department of Justice are right now trying to bring out the dirt on a few implicated people who will basically be sacrificed who can be prosecuted and tried and people will say okay some justice has been done and the whole government doesn't collapse and but people don't know the whole truth okay because the corruption is widespread the fbi now is working on option b which is limited exposure of the corruption In regards to the Clinton Foundation, what would happen if all this information ended up being released to the general public? As in, what would happen if all of the Clinton Foundation's secret records were publicly released? Answer. I said in the last thread, total chaos. Government would be exposed at every layer. Who pays who? Who buys what? No one has yet asked about the human trafficking. One of the guys says, what can I do? Agent says, post about Hillary everywhere you can. Focus on the Clinton Foundation. Do not let the email server be the sole focus of your attention. Follow the Clinton Foundation. Her emails are a small bite compared to what's going on at the foundation. Question. What if you personally leak out all the documents to the dark web or some other online outlet? What happens then? And the agent responds, I get silenced and or I get killed. Some places are trying to leak out the information, but the FBI is censoring it too quickly. So the FBI is trying to leak this information and here is where you have to understand what's going on. This is a psyops operation. Yes, the government is using using psychological warfare, but they're not using it to our detriment. They have a problem, they need to have salt and they need our help. The only way they're gonna get our help is if we cooperate. So they are using psychological warfare to get us to cooperate with what they want to do. And I'm going to explain what that looks like. So the FBI, the CIA, or somebody has given the information to WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks has put it out a little bit at a time, a little here, a little there, a little there, leading up to the election, because they didn't want Hillary to get elected. They wanted Trump to get elected. And the reason is because they, they knew if Hillary got in, this was never going to go away. It would only get worse. They were hoping that if Trump got in, some of this stuff would get prosecuted. And that's what the FBI and DOJ want. They want this to be prosecuted. And they were betting there's only way this is going to happen is if Trump gets elected. You have to get rid of the old guard at the Department of Justice. You need a new attorney general. You need to clean house if this is ever going to be prosecuted. So the FBI and the CIA and all the intelligence community, they're leaking this information to us a little at a time to recruit our help. That's why General Flynn told people, you guys need to investigate this stuff. You need to look into it. Here's why. They do not want a civil war. They don't want the people to go to Washington and burn down Washington, D.C. Okay? You remember when John Paul Jackson uh, was having those um, newspaper headline dreams where the Lord was showing him newspaper headlines one after another after another for a period of time. This was, he gave this prophetic word like four or five years ago. One of the newspaper headlines was, Resignation Fever Hits Washington. Think about that. If the Department of Justice starts to prosecute people who are implicated in all of this corruption, and they prosecute more people and more people and more people, pretty soon the people who are guilty... No, their number is coming. They're going to be prosecuted eventually. Those people resign before they get prosecuted. And I think the prophetic word from John Paul Jackson about resignation fever may have something to do with this. If this stuff comes out, starts to get prosecuted, there's going to be a lot of rats fleeing the ship in Washington, D.C. before they get prosecuted. I, I think that's something that you're going to see. I think it's certainly something we need to pray into. What's better for corrupt politicians to be prosecuted or for them to resign and go away? I I don't know. Uh, I would ask the Lord what, how to pray into that. That's one thing people should be praying about. So I'm going to continue going on here. What uh, would the countries that would be named in the documentation, if it was released, would they declare if there was a large change in government? Answer, no, they would declare war because all our secret operations in their countries would be exposed. So what the FBI agent is saying, it's not that other nations would declare war on us because they want to destroy our government. It's because we have destroyed their government and and we have meddled in their affairs. That's why they would declare war on us, in this guy's opinion. And this guy is a high-level analyst. Um, I forgot to tell you, he says he's a high-level analyst in... He used to work in PsyOps, but he doesn't anymore. He's in oh gosh, I forget the department that he works in, but he's he's pretty well connected. So we may here's a question. We may have war, but it won't be the end of the world. Answer: Revolutions are much longer and more violent than you think. And if a civil war breaks out, foreign powers will immediately get involved, prolonging any conflict. And he says, if we get to have a civil war. You could pretty much guarantee us China and Russia would get involved. Now, I want to tell you, last year I had a dream where I saw Russian, French, I don't know if it was French, there were three nations, that had airplanes that were bombing the west coast of America, California and Oregon. They were making bombing runs and they were bombing uh, our country. Anytime a civil war happens in a nation, look at what happens in civil wars around the, around the world. Whenever a civil war happens in a nation, other nations come in. The UN sends in peacekeeping forces and other nations come in because they want to be on the side that's going to win. Somebody's going to win the civil war and Russia and China come in to protect their own interests. They, get, they join the side that they perceive to be the winning side to try to put down the side that's going to lose, get the war over with, and then they can be on the side that wins. Here's the question for the agent. Is the government really trying to disarm uh, the citizens in the event that the poo hits the fan? It's not actually what he said. There's a lot of profanity, but I cleaned up. Uh, Yes, the agent says. The government is terrified to do anything out of fear of revolution. The agent then makes reference to false flags over the last year or two that have been designed to give an opportunity... For the government to talk about restricting gun rights the government is freaking out about the fact that we are a well-armed citizen group of citizens they know that all these people who have guns could march on washington and wipe them out in nations in europe where citizens are not allowed to have guns the government doesn't fear the people all that much because they don't have weapons but in america a lot of us have weapons, especially here in Arizona. Uh, You don't even need a concealed weapons permit to carry, concealed carry in Arizona. Texas, a lot of places on the West, a lot of people carry guns. And the federal government is freaking out because they are worried that if this corruption comes out, people are going to storm Washington, kill all the politicians, and take over. And then we have anarchy, and that's not a good thing. So... Is this getting a little too far down the conspiracy rabbit trail? Because if it is, I don't know. I need a drink of coffee. So hang on. Uh, The government is not going to disarm America. It's never going to happen. I'm not afraid of it. I I don't have the conspiracy things. I don't like the fact that that the government has been trying to erode the Second Amendment. But I don't think they're ever going to be able to do it. You know, I know people who live in Canada... And my Aussie friends and all my friends in, you know, Europe, you think we Yankees are crazy for hanging on to our guns? Just give them up. You don't need the guns. I get it. I get it. You, you have not lived in a country where you've been able to own guns. And Americans just like their guns. I was a pacifist for many years. I, was, I used to be a Democrat. I, I was very liberal. I was raised that way. Over the years, the Lord has changed my mind on a lot of things. That's all I'm going to say. The FBI agent says that the government is afraid of revolution, civil war, and you know that whole thing. Just the instability of it all is—they're—they're freaked out. The FBI and the CIA and the Department of Justice—they are in panic mode, and they are using their best weapons, which is right now is psychological warfare. They're giving us information. And they're training us and they're encouraging us to partner with them to make sure this stuff gets prosecuted, but that it doesn't destroy the country in the process. What fears would need to be resolved in order for the FBI to be willing to go nuclear on this Hillary and Clinton Foundation? Unfortunately, the guy asking this question has not yet figured out the FBI doesn't prosecute. <laughs> FBI, they're They're cops. They investigate, they gather evidence, they recommend prosecution to the Department of Justice. Department of Justice is a bunch of attorneys. They're the ones who prosecute. So some of these questions in the, in the threads that you'll see, the people don't get it. They haven't quite figured out who's who. FBI does not prosecute. FBI investigates and makes arrests. They recommend prosecution to the Department of Justice. DOJ does the prosecution, All right? Anyway, questions been asked. I'll ask the question again. What fears would need to be resolved in order for the FBI to go nuclear on Hillary and the Clinton Foundation? Answer. It would be like launching a nuke at New York City. We would hit the target, but then we would be at war with the entire U.S. The FBI would be facing the entire federal government in this case. And that is why we're being so quiet. Because if the FBI has to recommend prosecution, they're going after Homeland Security they're going after Department of Defense. They're going after every federal agency. They're going to implicate everybody. And there's going to be... Then you have, he, like he said, he says, the FBI goes up against the entire government and has to recommend prosecution for all these different branches for their corruption. So, if you're sitting there and you're angry because the FBI hasn't done anything about this, this is why. Because the problem is much bigger than anyone suspected. Question. What did Ambassador Stevens know, or was he going to tell, that got him killed? So for those of you who don't know, Chris Stevens was the ambassador. I would say the ambassador to Libya, but he wasn't the ambassador to Libya. He was the ambassador who was killed in Benghazi. Now, Benghazi is a town in Libya, and... Libya was ruled by Muammar Gaddafi for many years. Our foreign policy in the Middle East has been terrible, and North Africa has been terrible. So Libya is on the northern coast of Africa. Libya is ruled by Muammar Gaddafi, not a very nice guy, but he was able to keep things under control. We decided to go in there. We wanted to get rid of Muammar Gaddafi and put somebody else in. So there's a civil war goes on in Libya, and we decide to arm the rebels who are going to take out Qaddafi. The arming of the rebels is the subject of one of the major pieces of this whole investigation. If you look through the newspaper articles and start to connect the dots, you're going to find out that we were selling arms and probably sarin gas to the rebels in Libya, knowing that some of them were Al Qaeda. Subject of a lot of controversy. Timeline on all of this is very, it's very interesting. What happened, essentially what happened in Libya, I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest condensed version of this. So we decide that we're going to back the freedom fighters, resistance fighters, the rebels, which is what we always back. We've been doing this since the mid-1980s. We have our Middle East policy for 30 years has been, let's topple some dictator and set up a regime that is more friendly to what we want to do so we can help push an oil pipeline through a country or so we can do whatever, so we can get rid of it, get at the oil reserves, get at the gold, get at whatever. Um, our foreign policy has been pretty crooked for the last 23 years. And it's not just Hillary and Barack. This is going on with the Bushes. It was going on with Reagan. It was going on for Through all of these presidencies, our foreign policy has been to topple dictators to try to set up another form of government that would be more willing to cooperate with our plan. And so we've gone around and just tried to kill all these dictators, with mostly CIA doing it. So in this case of Libya, you got Muammar Gaddafi. CIA knows that some of the people who are resistance fighters are Al-Qaeda. At the time, he was a CIA director. He was on board with it, but he had some concerns. Hillary was State Department, Barack Obama's president. They decide that they're going to use the CIA to sell weapons to the Libyan rebels, but they can't do it to the Libyan rebels because they are on the terror watch list. And the UN says, can't sell weapons to anyone who's known terrorists. So in order to get the weapons into the hands of the Libyan resistance fighters, they have to sell them through Qatar. So the sale goes through Qatar, and then the weapons move from Qatar to Libya. That way, and it's completely covert, it's under the radar, no one's supposed to know about it. But people find out about it. And also, in the middle of this whole thing, there was a change of CIA leadership Uh, David Petraeus came on as leader of the CIA. In the middle of this operation, Petraeus had concerns about arming the Libyan rebels with Stinger missiles because he knew damn well if those things got in the hands of Al-Qaeda, they're going to start taking down our planes, they're going to start taking down civilian planes. He did not want this deal to go through, certainly not through the CIA. So... I'm going to tell you the bombshell here. Just when you thought there were no more bombshells, right? It looks like if you do enough searching, research, and piece this stuff, this information together, and there's a lot of people who have written reliable articles on this, it looks as if the State Department itself decide to broker the deal for the arms to go into Qatar to be given to the Libyan rebels. Completely not circumventing the CIA, but Petraeus didn't want the CIA to be the one responsible for it. So Hillary said, fine, we're the State Department, we'll do it. Now, Chris Stevens was the ambassador to Benghazi, but he wasn't the ambassador. Chris Stevens was a liaison to the resistance fighters. That's all he was. When Chris Stevens landed in Libya, he was assigned as a liaison between the resistance fighters and the State Department. He was coordinating this weapons exchange and he got promoted to ambassador and they built, well, they rented a space in Benghazi as a, an embassy, temporary embassy. A lot of people who know about the Benghazi story think, okay, we have an embassy in Benghazi. We didn't have an embassy in Benghazi until, until right before it got burned up and, and the guys got killed. Our embassy is in Tripoli. All of our official State Department actions go through the embassy in Tripoli, not Benghazi. They set up the Benghazi embassy purely to oversee the arming and training of the resistance fighters who were gonna take take down Qaddafi. Here's what happened. So we send a bunch, we sell a bunch of arms, they go to Qatar, they come into Libya. As soon as the weapons hit the ground in Libya, Half of the weapons went one direction and half went the other way. Resistance fighters got some. Al-Qaeda got the other half. And Ambassador Stevens had to go in and buy back and get back the Stinger missiles and the weapons that were now in the hands of Al-Qaeda. That is what the Benghazi story is all about. We had to get back the, as much as we could of the weapons that went into the hands of Al-Qaeda. And here is a huge problem for... Hillary, and Barack. If this stuff gets prosecuted, this is what they're going to charge them with. It was illegal to sell weapons to known al-Qaeda uh, operatives. And that looks like that happened. They armed terrorists. Illegal arms sales. Those crimes are actually treason. The pre- any president or no could be impeached for that and set to prison for a long time. The Stinger missiles didn't just stay in in, in Libya. They went to Syria quickly, and they ended up in Afghanistan. And we know that because a Chinook helicopter got hit with a Stinger missile, but the doofus uh, missile operator didn't arm it before he fired it. So it hit the helicopter, but didn't explode. Helicopter lands safely. They do an investigation. They find the serial number of the missile, and they trace it back to the stingers that ended up in Qatar. So from Qatar to Libya to Syria to Afghanistan. And they're still trying to get those stinger missiles back. So we're going off on a rabbit trail here. You see what's going on? The FBI agent, when he came back on one of his threads, he said, Look for arms sales, human trafficking. You didn't say just children because people are trafficked too. Women, men, they're all trafficked. In international trade, some nations will accept humans as a form of payment for oil or for weapons or whatever. You don't have to give them cash. You can give them 10,000 bodies and they'll take it as payment. Our government is involved in trafficking humans, illegal arms sales, bribery, extortion. If you start to look at the gold mines and the uranium mine deals, all these people who made huge donations to the Clinton... Here's here's the Clinton Foundation connection. Clinton Foundation is a big nonprofit organization. You make a large donation to the Clinton Foundation and you become a very lucky person. What happens is you magically end up getting a deal where you can purchase a a uranium mine in Kazakhstan, dirt cheap, and make billions of dollars off of it. Okay, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. You are an African leader. You pay the Clinton Foundation a couple of million dollars. Next thing you know, you are exploring massive oil reserves uh, on the other side of the country, on the other side of the world. People who have donated to the Clinton Foundation—it's—it's uh, it's dangerous to accuse, but they are able to purchase political favors in countries around the world, in many different operations: mining, oil exploration, gas exploration—you name it. If you want, if you have a lot of money, and you want to get a gold mine and oil thing going, or you want to have some exploration or something. You pay them some money and they grease the wheels and they make it happen. That is what has been going on. That is what is going to be investigated. And it is is—it's very dirty. It's, a lot, it's very sickening. So I'm going to answer a question I know a lot of you are at, wondering is, is Donald Trump involved in any of this? So um, according to the FBI agent, I'm just going to read what he said when this at, question was asked. If you go through the anonymous uh, threads, you'll see various references to Trump. The agent says, Trump has donated to the Clinton Foundation in the past. Now, that's not a big secret because when he started to run, he said, look, he goes, I know how the inside works. I know how Washington works. I've donated to the Clintons. You know, you need a a building permit or something. You, You give them some money to their donation thing and your permit's approved. I mean, that's just how he's like, look. I know how Washington works. He goes, because I know how Washington works, I can go in there and clean this crap up because I used to be involved in it. He, he says you know, he says he's not involved in it anymore. I'm hoping and praying that Trump will go in and take care of the corruption. But uh, the FBI agent said, Trump has made donations to the Clinton Foundation in the past, although for fairly innocuous things like building permits and such. He's smart, so his tracks are covered well. But if a prosecutor wanted to go into death and wanted to bring him up on you know extortion or bribery charges, they could. He could easily get away from it, though. The other thing is about Trump and um, Lolita Island uh, with Jeffrey Epstein. I know a lot of people... Yes, Qatar gave Hillary a ton of money and Saudi Arabia, too. Yes, Qatar and Saudis funded the weapons going to Libya. Saudi Arabia... Qatar, Turkey are all aligned together. They want Assad out of Syria. We are fighting this war in Syria on behalf of Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and Turkey. That's why we're there. Because they want Assad gone. Because they want to push a pipeline through Syria that will be able to flow oil and or natural gas or both. And there's a lot of money involved in this. And the reason why Russia is backing Assad is that Putin wants to put his own pipeline through Syria. And if he does not have Assad or a friendly dictator who likes him, he can't put his pipeline through. That's the whole thing about Syria right now. And this is disgusting. You know, all of these homeless people, the millions of people that have been killed, it's all over a couple of pipelines and millions, probably billions of dollars are being exchanged to try to get these pipelines through Syria. That's what it's all about. Uh, It it just, it disgusts me. But I'm going to keep going. So, Epstein Island. There have been some accusations that Trump has taken trips to Epstein Island. They're only accusations. There are many, many flight logs that have been produced that have Bill and Hillary Clinton on Jeffrey Epstein's plane going down to Epstein's island. That they know. Uh, There has not yet been a single flight log that has shown up with Trump's name on it. So while there are allegations that Trump has gone down to Epstein Island, there isn't actually any evidence that I know of. Now, I'll say this. People have quoted some things that Trump has said about Jeffrey Epstein. Trump said, oh yeah, Epstein's a heck of a nice guy, you know, uh, like him, you know, really cool guy. Well, that was said shortly after Trump and Epstein became friends. And I don't even know they would call them friends. They're probably more acquaintances. Trump has uh, Miralago, this massive resort down in Palm Beach. Epstein frequented Palm Beach. All the clubs in Palm Beach, that was his hangout. So Epstein used to go to, to Miralago, and that he knew Trump, and they would have dinner once in a while. James Patterson, the famous novelist, also lives in Palm Beach. Patterson investigated Epstein, questioned a lot of people in the Palm Beach area who knew Epstein, who were familiar with him. He questioned people at Miralago. Patterson did a fairly good investigation on Epstein. And what Patterson wrote in his book is that when Trump found out that Epstein was bringing these underage girls in to his hotel and having sex with them, he banned Epstein for life. I believe he confronted Epstein personally and said, I don't ever want you to come back here as long as you live. You're out of here. Bye. So if Patterson is correct, Trump is probably not implicated in the Lolita Island stuff and in, in the sex scandals. The FBI pretty much said Trump has played his cards really well and has avoided getting stuck in this bribery, blackmail, pedophilia stuff that a lot of these people are involved in. I hope it's true. I hope it's true. Do we know that this FBI agent is legit? We don't know. Uh, you you sign on these on these bulletin boards. You're anonymous. You, you have no evidence. You have no proof. But I will say this: the more I followed the leads that the FBI agent has given, the more I began to believe he is legit because all of the leads that I've tracked down turned out to hit pay dirt. I've discovered stuff. I've learned some things, and my, my brain is exploding right now. I mean, I, I need a vacation. I've, I've been studying this stuff way too long. But I, I do believe that the, the FBI agent is, is legit. I think the FBI is looking for help. I think... Oh, I'll, I'll, one more thing. There is some questions asked about the Department of Justice and Loretta Lynch. I have not been, been a big fan of Loretta Lynch, but the FBI guy says, look, Loretta Lynch is only covering her butt. He doesn't believe she's implicated in any of the criminal activity, but he's like, look, she has to cover herself. She is in the same position people are in the FBI. She, if she prosecutes, is going to be prosecuting thousands of people in many branches of government, and she's going to make a lot of enemies. So she's in a very difficult spot. He's going to say that the FBI and the Department of Justice are in a very, very difficult spot. And they, it seems like they need our help. They need people to be aware of this. Now, what the what all, throughout the, the all the FBI threads and what I've heard from other intelligence people in the intelligence community, and I'm not going to say who they are, but if you do enough research, you'll find these people. They're out there. The intelligence community wants us to become aware of what's going on because if we're aware we won't freak out what's coming down the road has a potential to freak out a lot of people who are in denial of what's going on if you know about what's going on you see it coming when it comes you can be a participant if you're not aware of what's coming uh, you might have a tendency to freak out let me ask you this Let's say you know nothing about these investigations. You know nothing about the government corruption. And all of a sudden, one day, you read in a paper that seven senators and eight congressmen that you really liked and trusted were being arrested and tried for money laundering, pedophilia, corruption. And then the week after that, 10 more are tried and arrested. And the week after that, 20 more are arrested. How would you react to this if you just started to see dozens and dozens and then hundreds of people being arrested for corruption and child trafficking and illegal weapons sales and treason and blackmail, okay? It's, it's in the Supreme Court. I just take my word for it. There are going to be Supreme Court justices stepping down. Listen to the Mark, what's his name? The firefighter, prophet guy. Who had the prophecy about Trump? Mark Taylor. Listen to his updated prophetic word. It's very interesting. He said, I think, uh, five Supreme Court justices are going to be leaving very soon, and I think it's all related to this stuff. This, the corruption is everywhere. Um, I wish it wasn't. It's not just in government. It's in, it's in industry. It's in the church. It is in entertainment. It is not just United States. It is the royals, the, the royal families of Europe. Google it. <laughs> You're gonna be disgusted when you find out what they're being accused of. It's global, it's not just United States, but it's been dealt with and exposed to some degree in other countries. It hasn't been dealt with and exposed here yet. And it's coming. I, I believe it's coming. Prayer strategies. Okay, one of the things we need to be praying for, and we've been doing this all during the election, we need to pray that darkness would be uncovered, right? (laughs) Isn't that what you've all been praying for for the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight months? Darkness be exposed, darkness being uncovered. Guess what? It's happening. Uh, There's a lot more darkness than anyone wanted to admit. It's rampant, it's a way of life, unfortunately. In politics. A lot of politicians, unfortunately, will get trapped into this lifestyle. A lot of these people who are pedophiles, they trap you. They get you to, they get some dirt on you, whether it's an illicit affair, pedophilia, drug use, some criminal activity. They find out what your weakness is and they get you to engage in it. They get it on tape. They get it on video. They get some evidence. And then they use that to blackmail you the rest of your life. The way that power has been used in governments for a long time is: the people who want the power get dirt on the people they want to control, and once they have the dirt on you, they can control you the rest of your life because they have. They can always threaten to expose you if they want. So, prayer strategy is expose the darkness. So, people have been asking me, should we go to the Courts of Heaven? All right. Courts of Heaven may be in play for this stuff, but not the Court of Accusation, and here's why. Court of Accusation deals with individuals. I think if we're going to take this to Heaven, to the Courts and Councils of Heaven, we're probably looking at the Divine Council. So, how do you discern between right-wing trash news outlets, the hype, this thing's up? How are we to be investigating the reliability of the sources, documents? Yeah, I know. It's, it's hard. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of garbage on the right and there's a lot of garbage on the left. Um, there, it's, it's difficult. You have to, what I've been doing is I've been asking the Lord, what should I be investigating? So for the first week, he had me investigating the, the pedophilia stuff. And then the next week, he had me investigating, um, I think I switched to the money laundering. And then this week, I've been investigating arms sales and different things. The Lord has been instructing me through dreams. He's been showing me, okay, you learned about this, you learned about that, and I want you to do this. A couple of days, he just wanted me on Twitter, just tweeting the heck out of whatever I found. So I have been asking the Lord for strategies about what to investigate, what websites to, uh, to look at, what stuff to not focus on. Because after you focus on something a little too long, it, it, it'll start to um, wear on you. And I'm glad I got away from the pedophile stuff, because uh, it's depressing. Um, so, Divine Counsel. Alright, the Divine Counsel, I wrote about it, and it's the last chapter in my book on Traveling in the Spirit. I've actually had two or three testimonies now from people who have been to the Divine Council. The Divine Council is a place where saints like you and me and saints who are in eternity and Jesus and the angels and sometimes fallen angels meet for deliberations to discuss what's going to happen among the nations now. This is exactly the kind of thing that could be taken before the Divine Council for a submission. You can submit. You can write out a submission. And you can, first of all, if you're going to go (laughs) to go to the Divine Council, you want to learn about it a little bit. Mike Parsons has some good information on it. He calls it the Galactic Council. I call it the Divine Council. Same thing. Mike has been there. I have not been there, but I have friends who have. Probably best to go there by invitation. So ask the Lord if you can go there. If he says you can go there, ask if you can go and watch one of the Divine Council sessions so you know what's going on. Just go there as an observer first and find out what happens. And then ask if you can come back and make a submission before the Council for deliberation. Because if your submission goes before the Council and they, do, they have deliberations and it's discussed, Many times after that angels will be sent down to the earth to implement the plan that comes from the divine council. It's very much like going to the court of accusation. You go to the court of accusation and you get a verdict from the judge. You can go to the court of angels, get some angels to help you enforce the verdict, right? So, if you go to the divine council, same deal. Except that it's there's a deliberation among the ones who are there, there's debate, discussion, the Lord usually makes a decision, and then angels can be sent again into the earth to enforce the ruling of heaven. So, I have never done this. I'm just thinking that if you want to have an impact, if, you, if you're if you one of those people who goes before the Lord in prayer, and in intercession, consider going to the Divine Council. At least ask if you can go there. And then let me know what happens. <laughs> Your words have enormous power. Yeah, that's true. Scrolling through to see if there's any questions I can answer. Yes, repenting on behalf of the government. So, uh, identificational repentance. Repenting on behalf of the government. Repenting on behalf of uh, our leaders. Look, here's, here's the reality. All of you people who are praying for revival, look back at the Old Testament and look at what happened to Israel when the leaders of Israel were worshiping false gods in the high places, in the groves. They were sacrificing their children to Molech. They were worshiping false gods. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. Right. So it's talking about how sin affects a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. Even though we as the church may or may not be Involved in a lot of personal sin. Our leaders are. Sin is rampant in the highest places of government, entertainment. I'm imagining that there's a lot of it in the church. I've heard, I know people who have been abused by church leaders. There are some churches that are masquerading. They're actually satanic cults. If the leaders in entertainment, in business, in education, pedophilia is rampant in education too. A lot of the pedophile rings that are being busted nowadays Uh, people that are being busted are nurses, doctors, police officers, judges, teachers, people who are supposed to be in places where children can trust them. They're actually the predators. If we are allowing or if we have that kind of sin in the highest places of our country, we are exalting the kingdom of darkness and we are enthroning principalities and powers of darkness above our nation. And revival in the spirit of God cannot come down and bless our nation as long as our leaders are worshiping darkness. It can't happen. We are never going to see revival in this country until this crap is dealt with. So keep praying for revival if you're a revivalist. But what you need to do is pray that this stuff is exposed. These people are Prosecuted, removed, we need to repent of the sins, and we need to really seek a serious change in the culture of our country. And it's global. I mean, it's it's in Canada, it's in the UK, it's in all over Europe, it's in Australia. Lori Handrahan, if you're not following her on Twitter, you should follow her. She's got a lot of information. She's been writing about sex trafficking for years. Her own two-year-old child was sex trafficked, She has done a lot of investigation. There are some states where the courts are so corrupt. There is so much child porn being downloaded in the Department of Defense on computers. Uh, Department heads are continually sending out warnings and reminders for their employees not to be downloading child porn on the computers. Uh, It's something like, I think I read a statistic where one out of four people who works in the Defense Department has been found guilty of downloading child porn on government computers. It's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. And making laws isn't going to change it. You have to change people's hearts. I mean, we know that. You can make all the laws and rules that you want. It's not going to change anything. We need to pray that people's hearts would be changed. Do you think there is credible evidence for comet ping pong as a front for satanic pedo practices? Credible evidence. think there's a lot of circumstantial evidence. I think they need to be investigated. I'm not, I'm not a cop. I'm not a judge. Uh, There's some stuff, there's some stuff going on. When you look at the social media and you look at their posters and you look at their past practices, it looks concerning, especially for a place that they're a bar, they're a pizza restaurant. They have some very adult-ish entertainment. And then they have this ping pong thing with the kids. And It seems like they're trying to do a whole lot of things all at once. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good practice. How much is Soros involved in this, Deborah? You don't want to know. Uh, I didn't say this, but the FBI anonymous agent said Soros is the kingpin of all of it. It's all connected to Soros. Soros is an interesting character. He means well like most people. But Soros has an agenda. Now, if you know anything about Soros and his history, uh, in some countries, and particularly in in Taiwan and Thailand and Cambodia and in Eastern Asia, he's considered to be an economic terrorist because he has spent many, many of the last 30 years trying to collapse economies. (laughs) He almost collapsed Russia's economy and he... Darn near collapsed uh, Ukraine's economy. Actually, a lot of people don't know this, but Soros was booted out of Russia by Vladimir Putin a couple years ago, because when a guy has a couple of billion dollars that he can wager, that he can put in the stock market against your currency, he can crash your currency like that, and that's what he's done in the past. Soros is has an agenda. And there's three or four countries that are standing in the way of what Soros wants to do. As you know, if you watch the presidential debates, Chris Wallace asked Hillary Clinton, "So what about this hemispheric, um, oh, uh, borderless, continent that you wanted? You were talking about." And she had to backpedal because she got caught. Hillary is a—it's a globalist. She wants a one large. I don't want to say one world government, but no, no national governments. Removal of all national governments and all national borders. So Canada, Mexico, United States, all of South America, one big country. And Europe and Asia, one big country under all one, one government. That's what she wants. That's what Saros wants. Saros so has been fighting that for years. Soros is behind the European Union. He's been trying to convince the world that we can get rid of all world wars if we get rid of borders. He thinks, Soros thinks, international borders are the reason why we have wars. So he thinks if we get rid of the borders, we get rid of the wars. That's literally what he's trying to do. Soros' plan is to get rid of all borders, international borders, and have one big country, the whole globe, under one government. Of course, who's at the top? Well, yeah, Soros's goal is globalism. And Hillary has been um, working for Soros for a long time. She, Soros is a major donor to all of her foundations. Um, he's financed her campaigns. Uh, there's even allegations that the mainstream media has been financed by Soros. Soros is behind most of this. Soros is the Wizard of Oz behind the current U.S. government. If the government is being controlled by one person more than anyone else, is George Soros. He has incredible power, incredible influence, but he is running into some obstacles. The first obstacle that popped on the radar to Soros, uh, his plan, was Brexit. <laughs> I know if you, my friends in the UK, are listening to this, you're going to lose it, but Brexit was the first sign that... SARS's plan for globalism was in trouble. So the Brits decide we've had enough of this crap. They were smart not to go in with the euro because the euro is crashing. And it's not going to be long before the euro is toast. But at least they still have the British pound. They did the Brexit. They went out, the, out of the European Union. Smart move. Sorry. Smart move. <laughs> you're gonna, you may be having a hard time now, but you're going to love it in a few years. Trump getting elected was the second problem for Soros because Hillary was a globalist and Trump is a nationalist and Trump is never going to allow us to give up our national sovereignty. It's not going to happen. Now, Italy comes along and Italy's referendum failed this weekend. So, And, and Italy's referendum was a referendum to give a lot of power to a centralized government which could then be handed over to the European Union because the agenda in Europe is to get nations to hand over their national sovereignty to the European Union to, so that there's more and more nations that are basically giving up their national sovereignty. Well, Italy failed the referendum, and now the Italy's prime minister is stepping down because he is not going to keep going as long as his plan for globalism isn't going to happen. Here is the biggest problem for Soros right now. Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin is a strong nationalist. What Vladimir Putin really wants, he wants Ukraine back and he wants people to leave him the hell alone. That's, that's all he wants. He wants Ukraine and Russia together and he'll be happy. If he just gets Ukraine, that'll be it. Putin is not, a, I don't, people say that Putin wants to put back together the USSR. I don't think that's true. I don't think he could. I think he would like to get Ukraine back under his control. And he could get what he wants. And he's got some interest in Syria because he, that'll help push the pipeline into the Mediterranean. And then they can open the oil and they can make a billions of dollars a day in taxes and stuff. But Putin stands in the way of Soros' plan for globalization. Because he has to. if he's going to get Asia, he has to get Russia and Ukraine. And Putin is not going to let that happen. And the reason why George Soros wants us to go to war against Russia is to get rid of Putin. People have not yet figured this out. During the presidential debates, Hillary was talking about a no-fly zone in Syria. And Trump was like, are you kidding me? Like, if we we (laughs) declare a no-fly zone over Syria, that means any Russian planes that enter that airspace, they get shot down. And if we start shooting down Russian airplanes... We are then going to war with Russia. Obama was rattling sabers about a cyber war with Russia. Hillary's been talking about going to war with Russia. And I've been sitting here wondering what happened to the conservatives and the liberals. They seem to have changed places because back in the 80s and the 90s, the conservatives were the ones who wanted to go to war with Russia and the Democrats, the liberals, were the ones who were like always wanted peace. And it seems like in the last Ten years, things have just changed. It's like now the Democrats want to go to war, and the Republican Republicans are like, hey, hey, relax, chill, we don't even go to war. It's It's weird. I don't even understand how that happened. But here's the thing. Hillary and Barack have been threatening war against Russia, and here's why. Soros wants Putin gone. And Hillary wants Putin gone. Because as long as Putin, the strong nationalist, is standing in the way, the European Union can't spread all the way through Asia. Putin has to leave. He has to be gone in order for them to get their global agenda. And as long as Putin is there, they're not going to get it. And I think it's amazing that Trump has embraced Putin and has said, don't want war with you. Let's team together. Let's get rid of ISIS. Wipe him out. Assad can stay in Syria. You can have Syria. Put your damn pipeline through. We don't care. There's no reason for us to go to war with Russia. There is no reason. The only reason anyone really wants to go to war with Russia is to get rid of Putin so that they can create their, expand their globe, plan of globalization. And I, I just think it's funny that Putin is not going away. <laughs> and he is, he's another stumbling block to the plan of globalization. So, to answer your question, a lot of this is being funded by George Soros. Um, he's got a plan, but Soros is running out of friends, and he's his plan is now it's running into problems. And hopefully, more and more nations, as they look at what's happening in Europe, will realize this was a bad idea. We need to, we need to reverse engines and rethink what we're doing because it's not working. Look at the look at the rioting that's been going on in Paris now for months. Look at the economy. Look at what's happening in Germany. The rioting and the raping and the pillaging and the economy is... And that... I, I'm sorry, but that's exactly what Soros wants. Soros is trying to crash the economies of Europe so that he can get rid of their currency. Once you get rid of somebody's currency and you crash your economy, you can then set up your own plan. And that's what Soros wants. He wants no borders and he wants to crash all the economies so that he can set up his plan. And hopefully Europe is gonna get their act together and figure out what's going on. It's not, I'm sorry, but it's not working. My battery is low. I'm gonna be having to end here pretty soon. Pieces of the puzzle coming together, good. Do I think Comet Ping Pong was a setup from the government? No. My battery is about toast. I love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're amazing. Take care. Well, folks, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. You can also contact me on Facebook and Twitter. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.